um, but we want to, uh, we're still going to do it. We're just trying to figure out the best way and best time. So uh, watch the email or we'll uh, send out some texts and all that, but uh, it'll be a great event and great time together. I want to welcome those that are watching online and watching, uh, maybe coming back later this week to watch. We welcome you. We're glad to have you join us this morning as we continue and kind of wrap up our series on faith and and mountain-moving faith. Looking back on this series, we began with the goal of learning what triggers uh, the moving of, of God's hand? Is there something that we can do, ways that we can live, a, a process to our prayers that, that would allow us to see our prayers answered? And then I always give a disclaimer, and it's fun how different conversations have come up throughout this past uh, six weeks or so, that there's not a magic formula. There's not a, if you say it this way, or if you do this, or give this amount, there's not a, a magic formula that makes God want to move in your specific situation. Like, oh, well, you know, Kevin gave 50 bucks extra this time. Oh, Kevin uh, picked up trash in the school parking lot, so I'll answer his prayer, Okay. Um, there's nothing like that. There's not a certain amount of, of words to say or specific words uh, to pray. But a study of God's word with the purpose of understanding what it takes to see God work in our circumstances will uh, show us how we can live and how we can pray and be able to see um, God's hand moving in our life. We discovered from James 5.16 that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We found from many statements from Jesus that uh, those whom he healed, he did so according to their faith. And also he would say to some, your faith has made you well. A third quote that we looked at uh, from Jesus again he said in Matthew 21, 21, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. So we determined from our research that our faith is the key to answer prayer. Then we dove into a study of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 defines it as, uh, faith is confidence, being sure of what we hope for, and assurance or proof, conviction, about what we do not see. Our faith is us literally taking hold of all of God's promises, all of what we hope for, and we can rest assured that they will come to pass in the future. It may not be five seconds from now. It could be the next day or later that day, or it might be uh, weeks or months. But the next, the, the, the next couple weeks after this, we, I'm, I'm talking about the past. I don't know why I worded it like that. But we've been looking at the heroes of faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11. There's a long list. We didn't get to 
every single uh, person there, but they list what I would call the Faith Hall of Fame, or some people would say the Hall of Faith, or whatever clever way uh, you want to put it there. But the writer of Hebrews uh, listed out uh, a lot of people and stories. Maybe they didn't reference an exact person, but uh, ways that people who were full of faith worked and what their stories, uh, ha- what happened in their stories and how it was represented. And we've learned different things from each of their stories. And today, I want us to look quickly at several more and we'll see a common theme emerge. But allow me to pray. God has really placed uh, this message uh, on my heart of Uh, something that we just need to build up your faith. And I know that some of you have prayed recently, even since we started this series, and you've seen uh, miracles and answers to prayer um, because this is kind of encouraging you and and pushing you, motivating you to pray with boldness and, and authority. So that's my heart today, and that you'll learn and that you'll, it might be a basic message, but that it'll just uh, motivate you to know um, uh, how to pray and, and um, what you can do to be more effective and see the hand of God um, move in your life. So Heavenly Father, God, I just love you, Lord. I thank you for this message that you've placed on my heart. You've challenged me in my prayer life and how I pray and what I do, how I live And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would speak through me and encourage us through this word, through the uh, Hebrews 11 um, Faith Hall of Fame, that it would stick out something, a truth would stick out to us and push all of us to grow further, deeper in our faith with you, that we would have boldness and confidence, um, that you will answer our prayers, um, and we will see you move in our life. And it's a powerful way. There's nothing uh, too difficult for you. God, there's nothing too simple for you. You care about us so much and you ask us to cast all, all of our cares on you because you care for us. So I just pray that you would teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 11, starting, we're going to start at verse 30. The writer says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. I want to break these down for you today. Joshua led the Israelite army and God spoke to him that in order to conquer uh, Jericho, a great city, 
that they would march around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day, they would shout. They, they would have worshipers leading, and they would uh, shout, and the walls would fall down. Quite a, a strange military strategy. But wouldn't you know it, Joshua followed the instructions, had boldness and confidence, didn't doubt, didn't question the Lord. He followed God's command. And what happened on the seventh day when the army shouted, the walls fell down and they conquered the city. It was, uh, it was quite the uh, miracle. And in that event, Rahab, a harlot, had allowed, just prior to it, had allowed a couple of spies who were from the Israel army uh, to be, uh, to kind of hide out on her roof and be able to, and she recognized God's hand on the Israelite army and what they had been doing and who they had been conquering before. And she knew, I'm going to protect these God's people. And through her faith, in that she was spared and her family was spared. And Hebrews uh, commends her for her faith. The writer of Hebrews, and I, consist, I constantly say writer of Hebrews, we don't know exactly who, if it was Paul or Barnabas or one of the other leaders of the church that wrote Hebrews. But the writer goes on he, uh, to list judges, uh, kings, prophets, who had led Israel throughout its history. These are the good ones. If you read the book of Judges, there's some bad judges, okay? If you read some of the other books, there's bad kings and bad leaders of Israel who uh, did not believe in God, and maybe they believed in him, but also like, hey, we're going to allow you to worship Baal, and here, let's make a golden calf if you know, that's not even in my notes, but uh, there was different bad leaders that uh, led wrong, did not believe, did not push Israel, lead Israel that, to follow the one true God. But these judges, kings, and prophets listed here, they would uh, recognize the evil and the wickedness that was happening uh, amongst their people and they would tear down the idols, and they would turn away from those gods, and they would lead Israel back uh, following the one true God, and God would set them free and make miracles happen as they followed him. They conquered kingdoms who sought to destroy Israel. They performed acts of righteousness in the midst of evil wickedness. The writer of Hebrews then references Daniel, who was thrown into a den of lions for not rejecting his God and worshiping uh, the others that the king wanted him and wanted the, the whole kingdom to worship. He's thrown into the lion's den, but God shuts their mouth, and Daniel lives when they pull him out the next day. And King Darius understands the miracle that has just taken place. And he makes a decree that everyone in his kingdom will give reverence to Daniel's God, the one true God. The writer then references Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into a furnace of fire because they too would not worship other gods. But our God, the one true God, quenched the power of fire. When the king looked inside the fiery furnace, 
He says, I, I, well, I only threw three people in there, but there's a fourth in there. They're not being consumed uh, by the fire. They're dancing, they're worshiping, whatever they're doing. He sees this fourth person, and he says it's like a son of the gods. It's an, probably an angel, possibly even Jesus. And not only did the fire not kill them, it didn't even singe their clothes. And King Nebuchadnezzar made a similar decree that day as uh, King Darius had, and he commands everyone to revere, give reverence to their God, not to say anything against him. The reference to escaping the edge of the sword is, is referring to several people, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, other men and women of faith who were spared death by the sword. And I want to point out just a few verses later in Hebrews 11 that um, we're not going to address it right this second in a few minutes, but it focuses on um, those who had equally valid faith who were put to death by the sword. So uh, the writer is showing some have escaped the sword, but some were uh, so full of faith and they had equal faith. It wasn't that uh, they didn't have enough faith to escape death, but they were okay with dying for their God. One of the last references describes the men and women of faith as from weakness were made strong. From weakness, we're made strong. That can probably describe almost every person that God uses in the Bible and even throughout our history. Do you ever feel incapable? That's why I pray, Pastor. I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm incapable of what God's asking me to do. Or I'm trying to live for him and I can't, do, I can't make it through this situation or this circumstance. That's why I pray. I need Jesus. Join the club. I'm glad we've all met here together. We're all kind of in the same boat with that. Okay? The people we have listed today shared one common characteristic of their faith. And it caused them to see the hand of God move in their life. Confidence in their God. We serve, and if you're here today and you're not a Christian yet, you're at least interested in learning about him, and I pray this message, message speaks to you, that we serve the one true God. We serve the living God. I say this so much, but it's true. Our God hears you. Our God sees you. Okay, he's a living, he's an active God, and he wants to commune with you. Okay? He has created you, and he doesn't just sit up there and watch you struggle, watch you um, prosper even. He's not a faraway God that kind of set creation in motion and like, oh, whatever. Let's see how, you know... Pastor Kevin, I'll pick on myself today. <laughs> Let's see how he makes it through this life, okay? God is not like that. God wants to be involved with his creation. He's created you for relationship, okay? And these people knew that, and they had confidence that whatever was happening, no matter the circumstances, that God was in control, 
The lions grew tired and fell asleep. The fire became a party. (laughs) How? How did that happen? That's a miracle. The people trusted in God. Their confidence was not in themselves. It was not a small glimmer of hope that maybe God might show a little bit of mercy on us. No, they knew their God and they did not waver in their belief of him or their relationship with him. Even to the point in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, if you don't have this highlighted in your Bible, actually verse 18, you want to highlight it, but this whole story, I just want to read these two verses. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, if we are thrown into that blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, even if he does not, even if he allows us to die in this fiery furnace, even if he doesn't rescue us from your hand, these are all, I'm adding these in, okay? We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. It doesn't matter what happens to us. We have confidence and trust. We believe in our God that if now is the time that we die, we die. Praise the Lord. We'll be uh, up there worshiping God. But if he wants to deliver us from this blazing furnace, he will and he can. We have to have that boldness and that confidence, that trust and faith in God. Remember Hebrews 11.37 that told us that many died for their faith. They had this kind of mindset, that they will pray and they will expect the miraculous to occur, but they align themselves with the will of God, understanding that if it does not go their way, they will still place their faith and their trust, their belief in him. They're not going to waver. And we need to take up this same mindset. We need to have faith that is strong, faith that is unwavering. When we look at all the examples in Hebrews 11, and we add to that all the disciples that we can read about in the New Testament, in the early church we call it, in the book of Acts, you just read the book of Acts. There's so much faith there. And we can put all of this together. All the, this is the fourth sermon I've preached on this. And when we put it all together, we can learn two key points to mountain-moving faith. Live right and believe right. And if you can come up with a better way of wording believe right, I I wasn't really sure if that's the best way to put it. But live right. Let's look at that first. James 5.16. It says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Some uh, translations even put a little bit before a righteous person, the, the fervent prayer, meaning the prayer of faith, more than just a, a talking to God, but a time spent with God of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What type of person's prayers are powerful and effective? A righteous person. Righteous means to live right, upright, virtuous, keeping the commands of God. One Bible dictionary defined it as used of him whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God. I thought that was a great definition and how I'm uh, using it today. Um, That righteous is used of him whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God. I have said in other parts of this series that we must align our will with God's will. Jesus taught us to pray, and we uh, quoted it today, not my will, but your will be done. When we place our will in God's will and we align ourselves with him, we understand and we, uh, we, we get the, the part of we're going to do what God wants us to do. And also what happens to us is God's will. And we're going to uh, be happy with that and understand that that's uh, our answer to our prayers. Does God hear and answer the prayers of unrighteous people? Will he heal a person that isn't praying? Or isn't righteous? I was asking you. No, just kidding. God can literally do anything that he wants to do. Okay? God can heal them. God can hear, does hear their prayers. Okay? God can uh, literally do what he wants to do. I'm just teaching you what is the most effective way. That is, to live right and dedicated to the Lord. Part of this living right point is how we conduct our prayer time. Does God hear a prayer of a kid? And I've heard this several times when I ask children to pray. God, help me have a good day. Does God hear that prayer and answer it? Yes, of course. But if that person grows as a believer, their uh, prayer life, they should be deeper and they should grow to a deeper prayer life. Sorry. Can God help you have a good day? Like the young man prays. Yes. Okay. But what specifically do you need to happen in order for it to be a good day? I had this conversation with someone earlier. It's a very broad thing. Can God, uh, if I pray, um, God help me have a good day. What's going to define if that prayer has been answered? Okay. For a young man, if he has ice cream, is that a good day? Yes. It's a great day. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But let's talk about uh, as we grow, what's what's a good day? Well, we need I need this to happen in order for it to be a good day. I need this problem solved to make this a good day. 
I would love it if this was taken care of. Then pray that way. Pray that specifically. Those are the things that you should be praying for. That God would give you wisdom for this decision. That God would take care of this problem, this circumstance. That God would, God would uh, be with you as you're seeking a job, as you're uh, trying to, uh, everything, all of your prayers, right? Whatever is weighing on your heart, bring those needs to the Lord. Another part of living right is how much time is spent in prayer. Also, what are you doing when you pray? Okay, I'm telling you, we're going to the basics today, okay? Can you pray a 30-second prayer? I put 30 seconds. That's a long prayer, actually. What if you just prayed a 10-second while you're walking in to work or to an appointment? God, I just pray you help this to go right. Is God going to hear that prayer? Will he answer that prayer? Yes, thank you. You guys have gotten 100% on your test today, okay? <laughs> but, <laughs> but setting aside a longer time frame, maybe in a quieter atmosphere, will probably end up more powerful and more effective. If you will also add to that a fast of some sort. It will take it to a whole nother level. Jesus taught, when you pray and when you fast, and he's taught that in the same passage we read earlier from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. I'm reading it, sorry, verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Ooh, we could preach on that all day. (laughs) God knows. He He still wants us to bring it to him. He wants to know what's on your heart. He wants the relationship with you. And then jump past the Lord's Prayer uh, to verse 16. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The word he uses, when you fast. Not if you fast or if you pray, but when you pray and when you fast. They had the hypocrites back then. I don't see it a whole lot today. Um, but they would make themselves look terrible. So people would be like, oh, what's wrong? Well, 
man, I'm on my uh, third day of fasting. I haven't had a drink of water in, in three days. And, and oh, wow, you're awesome. Wow, praise the Lord. And Jesus is saying, no, splash some water on your face. Shine your face with oil. Uh, don't let other people know that you're fasting. Sometimes I feel as a church, when we call the church to fast, I go, Uh, We're supposed to be doing it in secret. Yeah, we we leave that up to you. We want you to fast, but we need uh, to organize that we're all doing it together in a collective effort to uh, just dedicate this place to the Lord. And so there's times that we'll call and uh, for a fast. And so, yeah, we understand uh, Bob's probably fasting today, but um, we're not announcing, look at me, I'm fasting today. I don't know about the rest of you, okay? <laughs> but when we pray and when we fast, it gets the attention of God. And it shows God um, what we're desperate for. And it shows him what we care about, that we're willing to give up uh, this meal or this days of meals. Or maybe it's something else that takes up uh, a lot of your time and, and effort, your energy. So we're going to give up that and we're going to pray instead. It's not the, the point of giving it up. There's a lot of uh, non-Christian people that fast for health reasons. And they'll say, oh, I'm going on a, I forget what the health term for it is, but an extended fast because it helps you with your, you know, your body and your fitness. But they're not going to get spiritual uh, growth from it. When we fast, we're replacing that with prayer and dedicating that time to the Lord. And so you're going to see your prayers being more powerful and being more effective. And you're going to see, I had a professor in college tell us that God changes the prayer, like you who's praying, more than the thing being prayed for. Because you're having a conversation with God and you're setting aside that moment, that time uh, to dedicate to him and pray. So the more we pray, the more we do in our prayer, the more specific our prayer is, the more things we pray about, the more time we spent with him, the more fasting we do to dedicate whatever, um, whatever we do, all of that is going to build our faith, it's going to help us to grow. Yes, God answers 10-second prayers, but he wants to spend time with you. It'd be like saying, Does, uh, do I like it when my son says hello to me in the morning before he runs off to school? Of course, right? But if that's all I get from him every day, every week, is a hello in the morning, that's not, that's not going to be a strong relationship. I'm going to wrap up the second part. The first one was living right. The second one is to believe right. It's shorter. But maybe it's not the best wording. But the point I'm trying to make is that our faith has to have confidence. When you pray, you have to believe that uh, your prayer is going to get answered. You have to have the boldness and, and, and the, the trust that God will answer your prayers. Jesus said, if you have faith and do not doubt, then the mountain will be moved. 
When we bring a desperate need to the Lord, we can have confidence that matter, no matter how difficult or impossible it may seem, that God will do it. That's why we're bringing it to Him. When you pray, when someone comes to you and, and asks you, will you pray for this? Or when you see something in your life that you think, I, I don't know how this is going to happen. Don't pray like that, okay? Don't pray a prayer of, God, I, if, if it's possible for you to heal uh, this cancer, you know, maybe you could find it. Uh, I don't know how you're going to do it. If you could do it, I, I don't know. I've seen other people pray and, and not get healed, so I don't, I don't know if you can do it. I don't know. That's not a bold, confident faith, okay? We want to pray and know that God's going to answer our prayers. It may not be the way that we want them answered. My father died of cancer. I pray for him to be healed of cancer, and it didn't happen. I prayed for other people to be healed of cancer, and it did happen. So I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why he answers prayers the way he does, but I've aligned myself and um, not bragging, but teaching what I'm teaching you today, that I'm okay with whatever answer God uh, has given me because my faith is in him. I'm not going to waver away from him. I know he can heal. I know that he can set people free. I know that he can give wisdom in the hardest circumstances and situations. You may be troubling in your spirit and not able to sleep at night and full of anxiety, but God has an answer for you. And when we place our faith and trust in him and we place our will into his will, then we see and we know that God is in control and God is answering our prayer. One last thing, if, if a worship team would come and then ushers, you can uh, prepare. We're going to end with communion today. Is that when we pray, we need to understand that we have authority through Jesus Christ, not through ourselves, okay? This isn't through ourselves, um, but we have the power, we have the authority through Jesus Christ to heal disease, to heal illnesses, to, to deliver of demons, and we need to live in that authority. We need to live in that confidence. It's not up to me, it's not up to you who God's going to heal, okay? But when we pray, we need to have the, we know we have the authority through Jesus Christ that he shared with his disciples on a couple of occasions that I'm going to leave, but I'm giving you the authority to cast out demons, to heal diseases. That's a whole nother <laughs> sermon for us today. But when we have faith, when we have trust, when we have confidence and belief in God, we have that authority that our prayers will be answered. That's why God tells us that whatever you ask for will be done because of the authority that we have because of our right living, because of our right belief. So Heavenly Father, God, I love you, Lord. I thank you for being a living God that loves us so much, that wants to uh, commune with us and have a relationship with us. You're a living God, a powerful God. I just pray today 
God, that we would understand that no matter where we're at in our walk with you, Jesus, that today we would understand the faith that it takes to see uh, the hand of God move in our life, that whatever circumstances we're in that cause us to doubt, God, that we would make the statement today that we're not going to waver in our faith, and we're going to stay strong, we're going to stand strong in our faith in you, Jesus, that you are in control in our life, you are sovereign in our life, you are the God of us, and you're our God, you're the one true God. We're going to take communion here in just a moment. And at in our church, uh, you don't have to be a member of the church to uh, take communion, but you need to be a member of God's family. And so uh, if you're a believer in, uh, in, in Jesus, you're following him, you're welcome to take communion with us today. When we do, we want to prepare our hearts. And this is a time that we're remembering the sacrifice that Uh, Jesus made, that God sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins, that we would have uh, forgiveness of sin, we'd have the freedom. And so if you don't have that this morning, but you would like to, just make that your prayer um, today, that you just turn your life over to him and you're just asking him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life and you want to begin that relationship with him the bread in our hand and, and understand the sacrifice that it took to pay the penalty for our sins and you did that for us Lord we honor you today we thank you today Jesus for your sacrifice Lord for the forgiveness of our sins the freedom that we have for you from you in Jesus name amen would you take the bread together After the same manner, also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus came to set a new covenant, a new testament, a new way of uh, fulfillment of the law and a covering of our sin that our sin isn't just covered anymore. It's wiped away. It's gone. It's washed away. That's the freedom that we have in his, uh, the blood that was poured out on the cross was for our freedom. It was for our healing. The Bible uh, states it's by his stripes that we are healed. So whatever, uh, whatever you're going through today as we've preached and, and learned today, and it's all because of Jesus. The authority that we have is all because of him. Dying on the cross, shedding his blood for us. And that's what this uh, juice represents. And let's pray before we receive it. Lord, we thank you for the power that was there as you sacrificed. You gave up yourself and, and it's through the shedding of, the bl- of your blood that we have forgiveness of our sin that Our sins aren't just hiding away somewhere, but man, they are gone. 
They are wiped away. You no longer look on them. You don't hold those things against us, Lord. And we have freedom. We're not tied to those things any longer. Our past is it's our past and it's gone. Lord, we have freedom because of you, Jesus, and, and the blood that you shed on the cross for us. It wipes away our sin. It brings healing to our body. You created us, God, and you repair us. You heal us. Lord, and so I pray, whatever our prayer is today, whatever we're going through today, God, as we remember you and honor you with this communion, Lord, we just pray that uh, we would see those answers to our prayers, God. We would see the healings take place, Jesus. The miracles take place, Lord. We love you, God, and we honor you today by taking this communion together in Jesus' name. You can drink the cup. Did any of you need one? You good? Okay. And he wraps it up. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you show the Lord's <coughs> death till he comes. Would you stand as we close the service today? Heavenly Father, we just love you, Lord. We thank you uh, again. We praise you again. We honor you. We give you glory. And I just pray that uh, you would bless your people as they go today. Through this week, we would pray a little harder. We pray a little longer. Lord, we would pray uh, with confidence and boldness that you're in control of our life. You're in control of these situations and circumstances, Lord. So we just turn these to you, God. And I just pray that you would be with us in, in wherever we would go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.